Welcome to Normal for Norway. I'm Indigo. And I'm Seamus. This is the podcast where each week-ish, we dissect one weird thing about Norway. So sit back, relax, and... Make an autonomous choice about your own body. Um, the podcast this week is sponsored by Sigurd making us a, an old-fashioned with maple syrup. Yeah, and Sigurd. also this is the second episode in our Vien Monopola mini-series. Two-parter. Um, so previously on Real Housewives of Oslo, <laughs> last week we talked about, if you didn't listen to the episode and you're not bothered, but you want to listen to this week's episode because you've heard such rave reviews... Um, we talked about what is the wine monopoly, what are its opening hours, how does it work. We went into a little bit about the corporate structure. We talked about the history and we talked a little bit about duty free. What are the random stuff did we cover? Oh God, so many things. It yeah. was all over the place. But you know, it got, it got good feedback. It was opening minds all over the world. <laughs> exactly. Horrifying people all over the world. Yeah. Um, and speaking of which, the main headline of the week is Vinmonopole advarer frikter monsterkø forsett mai, which means uh, the wine monopoly warns customers fears a monster queue before the 17th of May, which is Norway's national A monster queue. Monster queue. And I think the best thing about this... Um, this headline or like this article is that they used a photo from our oh yeah but what's really funny to me is that this isn't even that long of a line like i've seen the line go so far out the door so yeah um, well the worst that i ever saw was when so what they did was they they threatened to shut the vine monopola the wine monopoly do you remember (laughs) this was like how could i forget for the during like the third wave or whatever when we had this like new lockdown this year and they actually did shut the Vien Monopola in one comuna, the one like so one municipality just outside outside of Oslo. They actually shut it, right? No, they didn't. Oslo as well. No, it, but they it did. was for like a day. Oh yeah, okay. So then yeah. every and so we we were living in the municipality outside of Oslo, and I was like, oh, normally what has been happening is like Oslo will do something. So for example, Oslo will close the gyms. But then the, the neighboring municipalities won't. But then all of the Oslo people will like rush over the border and start using the gyms there. And so then like the, the neighboring municipalities will basically bring in the same rule. But it's like normally a little bit delayed. So then I was like, okay, shit, if Oslo's doing that, they're definitely going to do that in our neighborhood. And I happened to be out and about. And I was like, oh, I'll go to the wine monopoly just in case they close it. And the queue was like a kilometer long. I remember I sent you pictures of that. Yeah, yeah, we can post some actually on the um on the Instagram. Yeah. Um, for uh, posterity. So they did say like, oh, we think this is gonna be the worst queue of the whole pandemic or of the whole year, but I think it's already it can't be worse than what this one was. But maybe this was more well, localized. But okay, but the thing is, so the reason, and this is actually a good warning for all of our foreign listeners who live in Norway, the reason that it's gonna be so bad is because. This Thursday is a holiday, mm. and then Friday is a, a normal day, but then uh, Monday is 17th of May. And so, like, they're afraid that people are not going to plan properly, and they're just going to be these crazy long Everyone's going to go on Saturday, basically. Yeah, I think, yeah, exactly. So, basically, you should go, like, 
Monday, which is tomorrow. And this is probably going to come out today, Sunday. So gird your loins and get in line Monday morning. I'm telling you, like, it'll be worth it. You're going to thank us for this. Yeah, it's actually, when you think about it, it's kind of an infection control issue. Yeah, that's actually what they say in their press release. They're like, oh, we can't really get people to stay far far enough away from each other. In because the queues, there's just yeah. this huge long line. So they're like, we just really need people to go early. Mm. Yeah. Um, so that's our top tip for the week. They should bring in like emergency rules that like open it for longer hours. So that people can... I think people have actually suggested that. Um, they've also suggested that... Like, this is slightly unrelated, but they suggested that for the stores in the summer to, like, save the economy, that they want stores to be open on Sundays. Um, Why like, in the summer? Oh, because everyone goes away to their cabin or... Uh, I, no, I don't know. I think just, like, because they want to increase the amount of shopping people are going to do or something. And so, because, like, at Christmas, for example, oh, they right. always allow shopping on Sundays, but it's, like, only the first... It's, like... The last four weekends before Christmas or something. Sunday shopping is legal. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And so then they're like, oh, maybe in the summer we can have Sunday shopping. I'm sure that will not apply to Vizola Pula, but yeah. I love that. Like, I'm so excited at the concept of the shops being opened on Sunday. So it just sad. goes to show, like, yeah. Throw <laughs> me a crumb and I'll lap it up. Uh, tragic. Um, but yeah, so then back to... The Holy Wine Monopoly, as I heard um, a colleague call it the other day. The Holy Wine Monopoly, yeah. Yeah, because remember I was calling it yeah. the dreaded, the mm -hmm. holy. So, okay, I, I think, yeah, what we wanted to then talk about a bit this week was like, does it work? As yeah. in, are all of these policies that Wine Monopoly has working and actually making Norwegians drink less? Well, yeah, because I was about to say, like, what would we use as a metric of success? And for, for the wine monopoly, the metric of success is, yeah, are Norwegians drinking less? Yeah. And I think... For us, is it working? <laughs> Questionable. Yeah. And actually... But we will get to that. Because yeah. some people have been brainwashed into believing that it's working. No, I mean, well, the thing is, okay, and it, perhaps not surprising. So I downloaded a WHO Europe report on... You brought receipts. Yes, alcohol and health. And they have lots of like maps and graphs and lots of numbers about alcohol consumption, but then also about like negative effects of alcohol on public health and so on. And perhaps unsurprisingly, when you make alcohol intensely expensive and very difficult to buy, people drink less. So like when you look at basically... Um, the pure alcohol consumption per capita, Norway is in the lowest bracket in Europe. Actually, even lower than the other Scandinavian countries. So Sweden is the, the next lowest, and then Finland and Denmark are like a little bit higher. So they're drinking less. And also I do, I have, I know like some um, Norwegians say like, oh, but you know, we have a lot of like, which we talked about in previous episodes, like Jemmebrent. So like, home brew or home distilled but actually this report tries to account for that so oh, okay. in the report they basically they add in the to like the amount of alcohol that was officially registered and then they add in this like unofficial bucket of alcohol which is bucket of alcohol <laughs> <laughs> which is what we're doing me and india are drinking right now <laughs> a delicious bucket of alcohol <laughs> 
<laughs> What's the flavor? Also alcohol. Um, yeah, no, so, and I was looking in this report, they write a little bit about unrecorded alcohol. And so it basically is like four categories, like homemade alcohol, illegal and legal. Mm. What would illegal homemade alcohol, is that distilled basically? Yeah, because, um, yeah, spirits are actually illegal. So moonshine, yembra, that's illegal. Right. But yeah, like okay. beer is legal. Yeah, yeah. Then number two is illegally produced alcohol or counterfeit alcoholic products. Ooh, God. Imagine buying a counterfeit bottle of alcohol. <laughs> no, it's really bad, actually. Like, that's what happened during Prohibition in the US when people, like, go blind and, like, die and have seizures and stuff. But, but like, were they... Was it like, oh, it's Bacardi, but when you looked closer, it's, like, Bacardi. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. No, it's like... It's like you think that it's gin, but it's actually, like... What's the really bad thing? Like methanol? Uh, white spirits. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, then number three is alcohol pro- products not or officially intended for human consumption, such <gasps> as cosmetic or medicinal alcohol. Hand sanitizer. Yeah. Shout out to COVID. And then alcohol that is brought across the border, but smuggled. Yeah. Oh, no, it says smuggled or legally bought, but registered in another jurisdiction. So that makes sense. So, for example, if mm. we went on holidays to France, bought a load of wine, they're not going to know that we brought it home and drank it in Norway. But anyway, I don't know how they account for this these things, because... In Ireland, they seem to account more unrecorded alcohol than in Norway. But my personal experience is that Norway has quite a, like, this whole business is set up like, you know, like I was able to brew my own beer and it was super efficient. Yeah. And really easy to buy online. There was like loads of people at work that were like talking about doing it. Whereas I don't know. I mean, I've heard of people here or there doing it in Ireland, but not that much. Hmm. Which then maybe we need to question these things. And I think part of how they do it as well is like, they ask people how much do you drink mm-hmm. and then they then they're like okay how much what people respond in terms of how much they drink versus what the official thing is then they're like okay the the gap is the yeah. unrecorded alcohol uh, but that obviously also has like there's certain social stigma like they say like there's social stigma towards drinking alcohol that people will kind of always you know like when your doctor yeah, asks you lie. Yeah, yeah, when yeah. your doctor asks you how much do you drink a week you're like oh i have one beer on a friday night if I'm feeling crazy. Oh and the doctor God. obviously writes down like 10 beers. <laughs> um, but I think in Ireland we have less of a stigma about drinking, over drinking. Yeah. Like sure. genuinely. I Like, because I think it's obviously not that it's a great thing and that we're proud of it. But I think people would be honest like, oh, I was hammered last night. Whereas I find people who I've seen be hammered the night previous then be like, oh, I wasn't that drunk. It's like, oh, hmm. come on. I okay. saw you. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, that actually ties into something that I wanted to talk about in this section of like, yeah, does it work? Does it kind of help people at all? And that is um, specifically like drinking and driving because yeah, in the US, like you kind of, I'm not going to say you have to drink and drive, but also like we don't oh, have yeah. that much public transport. And then some places there like aren't even taxis. And the point is that having a couple drinks and then driving is really normal in the US. Yeah, yeah. Like two drinks would be completely normal three like maybe four eh, like honestly people might not yeah even yeah. bat an eyelid honestly scary and the legal limit in the u.s like the legal limit is 0.08 percent yeah blood alcohol and in norway it's 0.02 right yeah which is essentially nothing it's like they have to have a small amount yeah because it's like you might it's like apparently there, there's just like a, a margin of error. So they need no, exactly, to have it. But it's yeah. basically that you can't drink anything. It's basically nothing. And like Sigurd had a really funny story. I think it was about either like a relative of his or a friend, a friend of friend who was a nurse. And she was at 
work really late and then of course like patients always bring in like sweets and stuff for the nurses and yeah. the doctors it's like a thank you and they brought in these chocolates that had like liqueur in yeah. them and so then she like had them in her car and was just like eating them and driving and oh, then like no. somehow got stopped for like for a different reason yeah, and then yeah. the cop was like are you like have you been drinking and she was like no i've just been yeah. eating these chocolates and he's like well that could give you a positive like that you're driving not i mean not drunk obviously, yeah, but yeah. driving and drinking and he's like it's fine but you actually need to just go home and not like you can't just you oh, okay so she home. didn't get like she didn't end up getting a ticket but he was like i could have actually breathalyzed you and yeah you yeah. would have been over the limit probably wow yeah but i mean but that's kind of a separate thing right like you can be really harsh on drink driving no for sure how? but i was just thinking about in the package of like Norway's relationship with alcohol yeah, is yeah. that there's all of these kind of like top-down laws and regulations and stuff and that's one that actually does make a big difference and I think it probably plays into one of the statistics that you found which is about Americans yeah. deaths versus European deaths because I was thinking these things are probably also tied together yeah totally I mean when you look at road deaths in America versus Europe they're like on a different scale in terms of how many there are in the US yeah and but and another thing that could possibly play into this is like the fact that you actually really can't buy alcohol late at night in Norway, like anywhere, yeah. not just Vimonopola, but even in a, a, a grocery store, you can't really buy beer mm. and right. Like after eight o'clock the latest. Yeah. So I feel like that also probably makes it safer for people in general. I mean, if you think about like, for example, alcohol fueled fighting or oh, totally. like, yeah, driving or reckless yeah, behavior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, of course people can still act rec recklessly, but yeah that's these are just some random yeah 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 and so then okay so that's basically the pure alcohol consumption so norway is really low i think it was like seven liters or something whereas for example germany is i don't know exactly what it is but they're in the bucket of 13 to 15 ireland is in the bucket of 12 to 13 the uk is a little bit lower than that but in fairness it's not that there there's not a direct like association with being really strict on alcohol and not drinking a lot so for example italy has really low consumption of alcohol in the same bracket as norway but obviously if you go to italy you can there's bars in petrol stations <laughs> in Italy, <laughs> and and also netherlands was one that i found really interesting that they're not really drinking that much but when you go to the netherlands they have 24-hour liquor stores like, you can buy whatever... I mean, we, we all know you can buy whatever you want in the Netherlands. Well, I was about to say, maybe it's all the weed. And actually, interestingly, Sve wants to... Political Party Norway wants to make cannabis, like, something that you sell at Vinbunpula, which I 100% oh. am well, Yeah, that's actually interesting. Would that reduce alcohol misuse if you legalize... I bet it would. There's probably studies on this in the US, right? Because maybe some yeah. people use alcohol and marijuana for the same effect of, like, oh, it calms me down, or it's, like, a way to unwind, or... That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, I don't know. But then, but so there's other, there's other stats as well, because then Norwegians a lot of times will say, yeah, we don't drink that much, but we binge drink, right? And so then they also have these um, stats on HED, which is like, I can't remember what, exactly what they define it as, but it's essentially binge drinking. It's like, oh, if you have more than, I think it was three standard drinks in one sitting or four standard uh, drinks. It's actually five oh really okay well yeah but i mean when you look at a standard drink it's not that much basically if you had no, three yeah. glasses of wine yeah you're yeah. heding which yeah. is like binge drinking yeah and norway norwegians in this one are worse than other scandinavian countries so even though they drink less overall than say denmark sweden and finland they hed more mm -hmm. 
So they're kind of in the 25 to 30% of people in the last 30 days have binge drink, i.e. had more than three glasses of wine in one sitting. Yeah, well, and uh, interestingly, um, cannabis, when it's legalized, decreases binge drinking. Oh. Markedly. Wow. Yeah. So maybe Norway should just, you know, get some... Yeah, but what are the negative effects of cannabis? Are there? There must be, right? Eating too many fatty snacks. (laughs) (laughs) Heart disease. Yeah. But also on this map, I do want to call out that... So the map is like color-coded for like what percentage of people are HED in the last 30 days or whatever. And Ireland is just like a starkly different color from any other country in all of basically Western Europe. Yeah, so sorry, what are these? I can't really tell from this map. Uh, so the, the dark one there is Czech. Oh, so okay. a lot of people there are doing it. And then the Baltics. Yeah. The Baltics are doing badly on all measures of like alcohol kind of misuse. They're not doing great. Um, but yeah, and then, and then the last one is like, okay, what percentage of people drink? And Norwegians is like 70 or something percent. This is the one that also stood out to me. Is like in Ireland, it's in the very, very top bracket. So 80 to 92% of people in the last 12 months have had a drink so it's kind of like there's obviously like a social hegemony in ireland of like everybody (laughs) drinks except for the eight percent of people who i don't know maybe don't drink for religious reasons or like are allergic those are the only things i can think of (laughs) (laughs) yeah so yeah and then and then we come to like the harm stuff and Again, Norway does really well on the harm. Oh God, this is literally turning into an ad for like wine <laughs> monopoly. We're gonna don't worry, we're gonna get to the criticism. It'll look well, I mean, so this is the thing, and like you kind of brought this up earlier. Of okay, you can quantify how it's like it's easy to quantify how much people are drinking, the harm that's caused by drinking, and so on. But it's less easy to quantify like the positive effects of alcohol, and there definitely are positive effects, right? And there's like a reason that we haven't completely outlawed alcohol. It's not, we haven't completely outlawed alcohol just because it's not feasible to do so. Like there are, people obviously gain a lot of enjoyment out of alcohol. It can be social. It's like, it can be gastronomique, mm. right? Like mm. if you're having nice wines or like fancy spirits or cocktails and stuff. Um, and so then, yeah, all of these like figures and stuff, it's kind of, maybe it's imbalanced in terms of, Okay, we can quantify all the negative effects, but it's kind of hard to quantify the positive effects of alcohol. Like, and this is maybe something that we need to get more nuanced with doing. I don't know. Yeah. No, definitely. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you're right. And like, um, it is it is hard to quantify that. And also just to, to even argue it would be, I think, very controversial. Yeah. Um, I mean, and this is the thing, is, like, with these, with this, like, stuff with being monopolized, it's, like, on the surface, it kind of, it really, like, when you come here as a foreigner, it kind of irks you, and you're like, what the hell, like, this is so silly, but, and then, but then when I started, actually, when I started doing this research, I was kind of like, now I actually understand where, like, public health officials are coming from, because, for example, like, they write, okay, these are all, like, the diseases that um, are, like, caused by like alcohol misuse and then these are basically so therefore it's like this many deaths or whatever can be attributed to alcohol misuse or this many years of life lost which is like okay if you if if a person dies of a cause that was related to alcohol how long would that person have lived based on the like their life expectancy so then when you look at this stuff you're like wait shit like actually you know okay so the main one is like 
alcohol causes cancer alcohol causes like liver cirrhosis alcohol obviously like you were saying causes like unintentional injury where like people get really drunk and then you know it like lowers your inhibitions and stuff but then my argument is kind of like well if i only found that out through doing this research in terms of like for our podcast to like learn about this stuff why i feel like that's kind of a failing of public health policy right um yeah i mean I as think... in do you think that people are aware of the damage that alcohol does or whatever i mean the fact that every single norwegian friend of ours who we've talked to in the course of planning or recording this podcast has vehemently defended Vimonopole makes me think that they're doing a good job on the PR front. Because yeah. like so many people have defended I don't think actually we've talked to a single Norwegian who has not defended but the Vimonopole is, to the death. But they they defend it for different reasons. And But some, they defend it for so many reasons. But yeah. one of the but a, a, a big reason that I get people defending it is that oh but it's a really good shop. Yeah yeah. yeah. Which it undeniably is. Yeah. But but also the thing with Vimonopole is like is there like a psychological effect of it's the one place that I can get my delicious wine. And so then when I'm sitting down in the evening, having my gorgeous glass of wine, I'm thinking, thank you, Wine Monopoly, for this beautiful Amazing gift. Wine. Right. No, but honestly. No, no, I, I actually think there must be something to that. But the one argument I've heard from several people that I think is like m- the most simple, straightforward and convincing argument, even if it still is a little bit irksome, is mm. that. We live in a welfare state and alcohol is a poison. And therefore, if you drink too much alcohol, you are going to become a burden on the welfare state. We somehow have to mitigate this burden from all of these diseases that you're talking about. Yeah. So that's what, that's why we're paying more money is because we need the state to control Mm -hmm. the intake of extra money to mitigate that. And it's the same with cigarettes and snooze as well. Well, that's kind of an interesting one because there's like, well, there's two ways to think about it, right? One is we're saving you from yourself. Yeah. Because we we know that you don't want to get cancer, which of course is true, right? <laughs> no one wants that. But but then the other side is, yeah, maybe it's not that we're saving you from ourselves. We're saving you from like from you costing us a load of money. But maybe that's the more cynical way yeah. of thinking about it. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know. It kind of annoys me. But then there have been times when, you know, it's like, 12 or 1 in the morning and you're like oh I just really wish that I had more beer and then you're like oh we can't get any beer because there's no shops yeah. are open and there's no where to get alcohol and then the next morning you're like oh I'm so glad that <laughs> I couldn't go buy more alcohol yeah that's so what true. I'm saying is thank you no. um, but it, I mean, yeah. it is super so as you can tell guys we were contacted by Vimonopola <laughs> they threatened yeah. us <laughs> they're actually standing behind us right now with a gun if you can hear this please <laughs> <laughs> no but I mean okay well so then I was thinking about this right it's like what this basically is is paternalism right mm-hmm. it's okay the state thinks that it knows well no because actually the argument that you made is maybe not that the state knows better but that is no kind it kind of, of is though it is because it's kind of like you're paying a tax on your own bad choices because the state has decided that this is the best way to mitigate your bad choices yeah. and we've accepted that the state knows best and I've heard a lot of Norwegians literally say that they're like Big brother will protect me. Yeah, but like the thing is, so yeah, I suppose it's right. Okay, so the Norwegian or like any kind of paternalistic alcohol policies are assuming that people, let's just go with the thing of like, they're trying to save us from ourselves. And they're assuming that people basically, that like 
policymakers are more informed or able to make decisions better than individuals, mm. right? Because mm-hmm. it's like, okay, people want to buy alcohol at 6.30 p.m. on a weeknight, but we as policymakers know that that's actually not the right thing yeah. for them. Um, and but then, so then I, I think then, okay, well, what needs to happen then is there needs to be an alignment between the information that policymakers have and the information that the public has so that then it's kind of then there's not so much of a need for paternalism and that's kind of like what I was the point I was making earlier when I was thinking okay when I started doing this research I don't think that I really understood necessarily how like bad alcohol is for your health I mean obviously I knew it wasn't good yeah, but yeah, yeah. and not that by the way this is going to change in any way <laughs> the amount that I drink but it almost makes you kind of like understand it a bit more and that's I think a failure of Vien Monopola and I think that if they were really serious about this they would like why don't they have in Vien Monopola like more health information yeah actually that's kind of interesting because like on cigarette packets obviously and snooze as well you get like yeah the warning like you will get cancer and die and actually alcohol is has so many negative health effects so it's like why do we not have little info signs about that yeah well I mean they're starting to do right they have the picture of the woman now where it's like don't drink when you're pregnant but hasn't that been there for ages like yeah but but also i mean maybe though it's a sign that i i think in general smoking is way worse than alcohol and this is another thing was it's like when you can buy cigarettes in any shop yeah. at any time of the day yeah like you can go to your local garage station yeah. or sorry petrol station at like two in the morning and buy cigarettes yeah, yeah but you can't buy alcohol and so it's kind of like wait hang on smoking is way more harmful than alcohol yeah but yet you're allowing us to buy that at any time of the night in a petrol station it's kind of weird and it kind of also makes me think that maybe there's something more at play here which is about it's kind of a moralistic thing that's a hangover from history of like alcohol was associated with the thing but also i suppose with alcohol you're like you were saying earlier you're more likely to harm others maybe yeah I, with smoking, I, right? I, yeah that I, that I think is definitely true but this kind of gets to some of the other like topics that we've been discussing previously which is like who is it actually um punishing or affecting the most yeah and the thing is it's affecting the people basically it's affecting people who have very little money the most mm. because one thing we've discussed and we'll, maybe we'll talk about it a bit when you get into the selection at Vimopula is that actually expensive wines um you can like save on expensive wines versus other countries yeah yeah whereas for cheaper lower quality alcohol you're gonna pay a lot more than most other countries so it's like if you actually don't have that much money or you um just have bad taste (laughs) you're actually like (laughs) guilty proportionally paying more and um and so like that's kind of weird and then you kind of also wrote some notes about like it being a very blunt instrument like i think that's true because it kind of just assumes that people will make terrible choices but then again like maybe they would so maybe that's fair and also that it also creates this vacuum of or it just doesn't create any possibility for small businesses because one of the arguments that um some people have made to me is well vimonopool is a really good shop and if you go to other countries you don't get that good of a selection but the thing is, that's not true because they're comparing Vin Monopole to like a grocery store in another country. Yeah, yeah. But in other countries, you have grocery stores with wine and beer and a cider, and then you have wine shops. And a wine shop would be what you would compare yeah, yeah. the wine monopoly to. So in Norway, like theoretically, if we didn't have the wine monopoly, maybe we would have all these great 
import shops. And we probably would because there are already wine importers mm. in Norway that sell their wine to Wine Monopoly. They're just like the middle. Yeah. Man. And I think, I think the thing with the Wine Monopoly as well is like, it's one business that's yeah. suiting. And this is kind of, I suppose, one of the positives of like the capitalist system is that like, there's like, there are always people that are innovating within a space to like provide a service to people who want it right in a specific way. So the wine monopoly that obviously just doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And in a way then it's become, it's kind of maybe like elitist or like it's very, the selection and the, and the play, like, like we covered already, like the places that wine monopoly are, the selection that they hold, the priorities that they have are kind of all maybe suiting a specific type of person. So it's like, if you're like, I don't know, lower income person living out in like Eastern Gamla Oslo, your nearest Vinmonopola is Grönland. And maybe you like cheap wine, like, or maybe you're just like, don't have that much money, but you really like drinking wine or you want, or even if you want to drink good value wine, yeah. imagine, okay, you're poor, but you yeah. like good quality wine. Yeah. You're kind of screwed over. Cause it's mm. like, well, we've basically just decided that in order for everyone to drink less, you just are not allowed to drink nice wine. Unless maybe you save up and you drink like one nice bottle a month or I don't know. Yeah. But, but, and then another thing that I was thinking about though is that there are so many other things, like we talked about the smoking, but there's so many other like causes for diseases. So it's like, okay, there's alcohol, but there's also diet, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that, like I looked at some stats on this. It's like Norwegians are eating like the least fruit and vegetables in like all of Europe. <laughs> Like, honestly, like, at the nearly the complete lowest end. And it's not surprising because vegetables are so expensive They're here. They're all, like, scurvy. No, but, like, honestly, like, okay, when you go into a supermarket in the UK or Ireland, you can buy a thing of spring onions for, I don't know, 50 cent. A bag, a, a kilo of carrots, one euro. Yep. Here, it's, like, it's so expensive. So then it's, like, well, and we're going to get onto this in our pulse episode, but people aren't eating fruit and vegetables. They're eating, I don't know, big bag of pulse. And that has it having a negative, massive negative impact, uh, like on people's health. Yeah. And you can see that actually in the in the cancer rates. Like Norway has the worst cancer rates in all of Scandinavia, for example. Well, that Probably. might also be because they are always in the solarium. Could be, but it's probably also linked to diet. That's actually a good time topic for next time. Yeah. Um, but I just wanted to say one more thing about the like the Norwegian government and paternalism. And like the Norwegian government knowing best. Yeah. Because I have a really funny thing related to this where um, when I was an exchange student, people like one I one time I said something like, oh, I just feel like when I'm I'm back home in the US, like I can just drink more and I don't know why. And then they said to me, oh, that's because in Norway, the Norwegian government puts brekmiddel, which would be like a vomit inducing <laughs> something yeah. like chemical into the alcohol sorry and they said this to me like completely wait who told you this this was just like a friend like random a friend. norwegian yeah yeah a norwegian okay and i was like excuse me what and then somebody else like next to us was also corroborating this like, yeah mm. yeah everyone knows that the norwegian government puts something that makes you puke into the alcohol right. and i was like that is not true like that yeah. that's a conspiracy theory right but then when we were planning this episode i was like i need to look this up because i was wondering is this a widespread conspiracy yeah, theory. Yeah, yeah. And yes, it is. Because I have first of all I searched online and I found an entire Reddit thread with people being like, yes, I have also heard this. <laughs> and then I kind of like informally polled several Norwegian friends of mine. All of them had heard some version of this conspiracy theory. And all of them said that when they first heard it, 
they just believed it without what? questioning it. And what I find hilarious about this is that they didn't even care that much. They were just like, <laughs> that makes sense. The government knows best. And literally oh one person God. said to me like, oh yeah, when I heard that, I thought, well, that's nice because they're trying to help me. <laughs> like when it's two o'clock in the morning and you're vomiting your guts on yeah. the toilet, you're just thinking, thank you, government. Literally. <laughs> literally. Oh my God. It's I also... so funny. Oh my God. Sorry. And also then to flip back to the previous topic, I found this funny thing that was like, um, it was talking about like the cause, because I was looking up, okay, what are the causes of, okay, so the main cause of people dying nowadays in the developed world is uh, like ischemic heart disease. So, you know, it's basically where you get a buildup of stuff in your arteries and then, yeah. Um, and I was like, okay. and then I was thinking, okay, what are the causes of these? And big one is like your diet, like, uh, like obesity and those kinds of things. But then also, and I thought this was like funny and relevant to us too, having a type A behavior pattern, a group of personality characteristics, including time urgency, competitiveness, hostility, and impatience is linked to an increased risk of coronary disease. Oh my God, we need to calm down. We need a drink. <laughs> <laughs> but the wine monopoly is closed. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm sorry, one thing that I wanted to talk about as well in, in relation to the public health stuff before I wanted to, there's a couple of like uh, anecdotes that we were going to tell as well was around, because we've kind of talked about, okay, health effects that happen to people when they're just drinking kind of like a normal amount. But there is, of course, like addiction. Yeah. And that, and, and I suppose the arguments of things that happen to you when you're drinking are sort of, they have a different set of arguments and a different kind yeah. of like philosophy to them because you're not harming other people, right? right. Generally. Unless, of course, you get into a massive fight or you drink drive, but like that's sort of, those people should be dealt with separately. Like we should be allowed to have a few drinks and not be punished for the people who are drink driving or like beating each other up outside chipper at 2am. But then there are the, is the alcoholic thing of like, okay, there are families that are like massively impacted by alcoholism and is this helping them? Uh, I actually couldn't really find that much data on this, but like, I know, for example, in, in Ireland at the moment, there's a huge debate because Ireland is like vein monopolizing itself slowly but surely. They introduced this act in like 2019 when I was like back in Ireland the last because time. Because of you. <laughs> but like, so they're slowly bringing stuff in. It's like, okay, now you need to erect a like barrier around the section in the supermarket so that children can't it has to be a meter high so that children can't, can't see the alcohol oh because God. apparently if the children sees the alcohol then they're going to want to drink it's like what? when their mom That's... takes it and puts it in her trolley they're going to see the wine in there or oh like they're going to see her God. drinking it at home anyway anyway and now they brought in the it's minimum ridiculous. unit pricing yeah and so a lot of hot takes that i saw on twitter was people saying if you are addicted to alcohol and you actually have a dependence increasing the price isn't going to actually stop you drinking it. It's just going to make you spend more money because you have to drink it, right? Yeah, and also this, that's totally true. And a lot, I've read a lot about um, research of drug addiction and mm. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised that the same principles hold, which show that if you give people fully, people who are already addicted, if you give them fully free access to drugs, yeah, they will just live better lives because they won't be living their entire life trying oh, yeah, to get okay. drugs. So this is what they did, I think, in Portugal where they made drugs completely legal. So not selling them, but like people who are addicted to heroin, for example, can get heroin on like, uh, um, oh my God, what, prescription from their doctor. Yeah. And then they can live normal lives because they can go to work and they can just like not be, you know, scavenging yeah, yeah. for money and stealing and whatever yeah. and being in terrible like kind of environments. And I wouldn't be surprised if the same is true for alcohol where it's like, 
it's not going to be better if someone who's you know homeless has to pay twice as much for alcohol. But it might they might not even be homeless. Like, there are probably families no, that for sure. people I mean, have like yeah. independence. But I'm just taking the most like extreme I example. This, I think like in a sharp 180 turn, we have decided to forgo our money, our our blood money from the wine monopoly, and we are now advocating free alcohol for all <laughs> citizens in Europe and Ireland on tap. Every house should have a water supply. <laughs> And a pure ethanol supply next to it. Thank you and good night. We will be running at the next general election. Um, yeah. We're going to give Afropair a run for their money. We'll be the real populist party. Truly, truly. But also one other thing that I wanted to mention as well when I was doing all of my research into like alcohol and public health policy mm. was that, uh, and this is kind of an unexplained effect, but and it's also a general public health effect, is that people with low socioeconomic status or whatever so it's like people who for example i think they like do it in like three parts it's like your housing situation your job situation your education and stuff like that um those people in general have worse life outcomes or like worse health outcomes and they don't really actually understand why that is why people who are basically poorer or um less educated or whatever have worse outcomes but they also know that in alcohol specifically people with high like social status drink more uh, like probably because they have more money and so yeah. on to do so and maybe more free time and they're going to more parties or I don't know than people with low social like um, status but people with low social status are way more negatively impacted by alcohol mm. so they're much more likely to have all of these diseases that are associated with alcohol it's kind of interesting mm. and it's kind of it's like I wonder like how when these like policymakers are doing this stuff, how they account for that of like are they really trying to tackle the root cause which is maybe that the inequality right of, mm. that's kind of driving all this but there there we go um do we want to talk about Paula's Lila Rilla? oh yeah I really want to hear that story yes okay because I haven't read your notes so that I'll get to hear it live. yeah well I think you're gonna be appalled and shocked but it's also maybe like i love being shocked. insightful okay so as we know during world war ii the nazis occupied norway yes and it was actually the liberation day yesterday oh is that what that was yeah i saw some people flying flags yeah. and stuff i didn't know may why. 8th right yeah okay well this is very very fitting then so on may 8th presumably the nazis all went home <laughs> But they left 400,000 litres of, like, Bordeaux wine. Wow. Because, you know, the, the Nazis, they liked to live fancy. Um, they were hypocrites like that. Um, and so then the... And this was... Also, the wine monopoly was, um, was around then or whatever. So they were like, okay, well, we'll seize all of this. Uh, and then they were thinking, like, hmm, like, what should we do with it? And so... Don't tell me. Oh, my God. I'm, like... It's maybe so, not as bad as you think. They, they did not pour it down the drain. Oh, okay. I definitely thought you were like, and then they poured it in the Oslo Fjord. No, no, they didn't. What they did was they got all of the bottles and poured them into a huge vat <laughs> and just like mixed it all together <laughs> to make this like random like wine, uh, which they called like, uh, there was like many different names for it. Some people called it um, Chateau Hosla because Hosla was where... You know what his headquarters were, um, or people called it the Sex Kroners because it cost six kroner. Um, 
But basically it went on to be like insanely popular <laughs> and was the most popular top selling wine in Norway until 1998. <laughs> yeah. So. No. Yeah, Wait. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm just like, how? So then what, so what happened was they basically did all of this in, so they started selling it from the 1st of January, 1946. They had a red wine and a white wine. So they just literally called it red wine. But if they poured the wine out, like, wouldn't that interrupt the, like, process? Well, of the, like, wouldn't I think it go it's off? Because no, if you open a bottle of wine, like... Well, they probably then re-kind of sealed it in. It's just, it's just if oh, oxygen gets in. Oh, my God, though. <laughs> no, but so then, then they were sold out by 1947. It was, like, such a Oh, hit. okay. And then they, then they started importing other wines... Because I thought you were saying that the original World War II wine had been sold until 1998. I was like, how? Well, no, no, no. no. Yeah, so so oh then they started importing... No, no, sorry. Not the original, like, literally 400,000 liters. Yeah. But, no. no okay. Yeah. But, the like, the brand or whatever. <laughs> okay. So then they started importing wine, like, that was real. Or, like, you know, like, that was actually, like, <laughs> bottled wine from, like, Chile and, like, other places. That wasn't in a vat. And the Norwegians just, like, didn't like it. So then in 1949, like, so then sales massively tanked because they were like, oh, we like the, like, Chateau Hostler. <laughs> so then the sales massively uh, tanked. And so then they were like, okay, we'll start up again. And they just basically started doing this, like, mixed wine. But in fairness, like, a mixed wine is not unheard. Like, as in, of yeah, course, yeah, you yeah, all, yeah, like, yeah. like, lots of wines will be non-vintage and will, like, sure. mix to, like, get a specific flavor or whatever. Um... But yeah, so then in 1950, it went on sale again for six kroner, which is like the sex kroner thing. Um, then it went up to seven kroner. And in 1990, it was 43 kroner. Uh, and it was a blend of five to ten wines, um, normally from France and Italy. In 1972, it was responsible for 40% of all wines sold in Norway. What? Leading up to the peak of its oh popularity in the 1980s. In 1981, there was 3.8 million liters. Um, yeah. So that's the name of the Lille Road. And then I found this article when it's it's Tak for Alt. Oh no. And uh, it's um, they they no longer sell the Lille Ravine. But why did they stop? I think because it was disgusting. I actually found it. I, <laughs> <laughs> I found it maybe like I suppose as people's tastes like improved and people understood like what red wine could actually taste like as maybe people started traveling more or whatever then they were like wait <laughs> this tastes terrible <laughs> yeah well speaking of wines that taste terrible yeah we have to talk about horse wine oh well, yeah but no but actually there's the one thing that I wanted wine. to talk about with that because this is um my friend was telling me that there was a restaurant in Drammen that mm -hmm. used to serve um what's the sauce that you have with beef like beef bernays yeah which is really popular in norway mm. strangely yeah. i remember like coming here and it being quite popular and they no sorry it wasn't bernays it was hollandaise hollandaise yeah okay. yeah yeah that, i think it was like a brunch place or maybe it was beef anyway there was some kind of sauce that they were making uh like from a powder mm -hmm. you know like that bernays powder oh, yeah, that you yeah. buy yeah yeah and then they were like okay we're gonna like up our game and we're gonna start making it from scratch so they started making the bernays sauce from scratch and all the norwegians were like no no no, we don't like this can you please like just start serving the powder one again and they were like okay just like a tear a single tear like <laughs> rolling down their cheeks like you're trying to be like the world's best chef but that's not what the people want um but yeah 
Oh, God. Oh, that has to be. The Norwegians love powdered sauces. Yeah, okay, it has to be. So, um, basically, like, if a wine... What is the, actually the chemical reaction? Why wines can taste or smell like fertilizer? So, apparently, it's brat. It's called brat, which is short for, like, bratomycines or something, which mm-hmm. is a bacteria yeah. that can get into wines. Yeah, which make it, makes it... But apparently, smell. sometimes, people, you want a little bit. So, mm-hmm. like, in you know, particularly, like, natural wines. Yeah. You know, sometimes it has a bit of a whiff of, like, farmyard, but it can be kind of delicious. Yeah. But too much, yeah, isn't good. Too much is bad. Yeah. So um, if you ever open a wine from Mimampula and it smells like a horse in a bad way, you can return it. And the reason that we found this out is because for my bachelorette party, Seamus um, organized an amazing wine tasting. And he uh, was like opening this this wine that was from Norway. And he was like, oh yeah, this is um, like supposed to be similar to a champagne because it's um, the same climate as it was there like 150 years ago or something. Yeah, yeah. And we were like, oh, it's gonna be so good. And then... And it's done in the champagne method, yeah. you know, with like not Prosecco, but like... We were so... We we believed in Norway. <laughs> and the worst or best part was that you said, and this is supposed to represent Sigurd. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then it smelled and tasted so bad. Yeah. It smelled and tasted like horse and it was... Yeah, oh my God, it Norway. tasted like poo. And then we had to, we just didn't drink any of it. And so then I, it was actually like, it was in the kitchen for ages with like some of it in the bottle. But then I just, I was like, I need to just pour that out. It's just like smelling weird. And then I rang up the wine monopoly and was like, hey, I need to, like, I need to get a refund from this wine. Because I actually bought the wine online, like on winemonopoly.com or whatever. Uh, and they were like, no, the only way to do this is to bring it into the shop. And I was like, well, I've already poured it out, but, and then I was getting this big argument with them. I was like, well, this isn't fair because this is such a bad customer experience. Like, I feel like if I buy a 50 euro bottle of wine and it tastes like horse, <laughs> you should just give me a refund and kind of trust me as your customer. So well, that... didn't you call them and they referred you to the health? Yeah, because department. then I was like, so how do I complain about you? Because you're the monopoly. It's not like I can go to another wine shop. I'm like, my hands are tied. And they were like, well, you can contact the like directorate of health, but I think they're going to be like a bit busy at the moment. And I was like, oh my God. Anyway, eventually I begged and begged and then they told me I could bring it in even though it was empty because I, I, I basically pretended that I had all, that I hadn't poured it out, but I was like, please let me pour it out. I'm here on my own at Christmas and my entire kitchen stinks of horrors. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, okay, fine. You can pour it out. And then you I brought it in and they gave me the money back. Yeah. Oh God, that's so funny. Um, so to round things off, should we just quickly discuss what people, what do the people say? Yeah. What do the people They love think? it. They, they all love it. it. <laughs> they all, I mean, we've already alluded to this, but they love it. So we, I pulled our Instagram followers and here are the responses we got. Um, one person said, I don't care about that. That was, that was an American actually. I saw that <laughs> one. That was my <laughs> Um, somebody else who's lived here for a while, I think it was Jen said, uh, when is it open? I still don't know. No one knows. <laughs> no one I knows. mean, yeah. Um, a uh, very Norwegian Norwegian, shout out to Natalia, said, I love it because alcohol is a drug and we should drink less. And also pointed to the the great selection, um, which actually maybe you can you can say a tiny bit about since you're basically a sommelier now. <laughs> um, and then Martin said, for me, it's all right. But for people with addictions, we need more nuance. So kind of alluding to some of the same things that we just talked about. Mm. Um, and then my friend who doesn't drink at all said good variety also of non-alcoholic options. Yeah, that is true. Um, like the zero wine that we've had and stuff before is actually pretty tasty. Yeah, when we didn't drink for like a month. 
Yeah. We did try a lot of their non-alcoholic options and it yeah, was good. True. Um, and then I quickly wanted to highlight this pretty hilarious um, survey by the business school, which is basically a survey every year to find out the most popular businesses in Norway. And yeah. they measure um, two things. They measure satisfaction and loyalty. And um, it's said that Vimokura has regularly been in the top five. Okay. Like for the last but several years. How can you not be 100% loyal? <laughs> it's like no, but, our customers are all very loyal. But, and we are also a monopoly. <laughs> here's the thing though. that They don't measure loyalty for Vimokura. Oh, so okay. loyalty is blank. But for satisfaction... It's regularly in the top five and it was number one for 2020. But that's like, it's Big the Pavlov. surprise. It's the Pavlov's dog effect that we Well, also, about. things were closed during 2020. Like, what do you expect? Of course people love being more important <laughs> in 2020. Yeah. Um, no, but it, yeah, I mean, but the thing is, like we said, it is actually a good wine shop. Like, you go in there, you can get what wines you want. Spirits, not so much, but they're so expensive. I don't think Norwegians drink that much spirits, which is actually probably a, a conscious policy of the government to tax yeah. them so highly. And also, you can order, I've ordered like very exotic yeah true and just gotten them delivered to the store and the other thing is that all the people who work there do classes to like learn about wine so they are really knowledgeable and you can ask them for recommendations and they're very helpful and they never at least in my experience have never like talked down to me they're just always like what do you want what are you going to eat like what are you serving and then they're like what is your price range yeah and they also won't upsell you because they legally cannot upsell you like oh yeah but i mean that's like i don't think anyone in europe tries to upsell that much that's an american thing well yeah um but like, i'd like I've... it a little bit more upselling actually oh my god I, <laughs> well just tell them you have a bigger budget then um, but like the best thing is to go there and be like i need a wine for macaroni and cheese or just like some, yeah, like yeah. whatever you're eating i need a wine i'll just be like super nice i need a wine to go with my muesli in the morning <laughs> but okay wait i'm gonna ask you a question now oh, that you need yeah. to answer okay maybe to finish this off yeah if you were in charge of Norway, mm. would you actually get rid of the wine monopoly? <sighs> Knowing all we know about the public health. Mm. And this is, don't think about like public opinion. It's just like, imagine you're the true paternalist that you want to yeah. do what's best. I think, I mean, I don't know how this would actually technically work because I can't remember all the tax stuff. I think I would keep the wine monopoly, mm. but I would extend the hours yes. to like, eight o'clock or something and it would be open on sunday and it would also be open later on saturday and i would try to lower the prices a little bit but i would be willing to keep it right but i would want it to be a little bit more accessible because the fact that it's only open till six is really annoying ridiculous and it's probably really shit for people who are on different schedules it's kind of okay if you're like working the normal norwegian workday where you finish at like four or five yeah. But if you have some weird job... But it's such a scramble, even when you do finish at 4.30, and they're like, oh my god, I get to, gotta get to be more important. And if it's a Friday, I have to wait in line. And actually, we went together, and we intended to do, like, an audio diary when we were there, and it was so stressful that we didn't. And I was, like, waiting for you, and I remember looking at my watch and being like, oh my god, it's 5.58, and he's not gonna make it. I and always like, do that. I'm always pushing oh it right god. to the wire. Yeah. Anyway. Um, what about you? What about me? I... I don't know. Maybe I would do a trial. I would trial my, like, educate the public thing. Mm -hmm. Because I don't actually think that they're doing a good job on that. I think people know the risks of smoking. And I think, for example, people are super pro, like, smoking bans and stuff. Whereas I think alcohol stuff, people are not pro more regulation. And I think you can see that in Ireland now. People are flipping out about it. Um, Norway's, like, a separate case, as we know. (laughs) People love it. Um, But, yeah, maybe I would, like... 
completely yeah no abolish it and just install the ethanol tops into people's houses. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>